You're listening to Grace for the Grind, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. We're here to encourage and equip you through the ups and downs of life and ministry, because each of us needs some grace for the grind. Welcome to episode number 152. I'm Dan Stenberg. And I'm Ryan Nelson. And today we have with us special guests, Paul and Alexa Frazier. They have two sons, Arthur and Oswald. Both Paul and Alexa worked several summers at Inspiration Point and graduated from iPoint's Checkpoint program. Alexa has served as the Children's Ministries Coordinator at Valley Christian Church in Breckenridge, Minnesota. Paul graduated from Minnesota State University, Mankato, with a B.S. in biology and graduated with a Master of Divinity degree from Lutheran Brethren Seminary in 2021. While in seminary, he worked as a youth pastor at Messiah Lutheran Church in Underwood, Minnesota, and preached once a month at Doran Presbyterian Church in Doran, Minnesota. Until recently, they served at Rock of Ages in Seattle, Washington. Paul was called as a pastoral intern, and both Paul and Alexis served in various ministries, working alongside both the English-speaking and Japanese ministries there in Seattle. Now they have been called as missionaries to Japan by the Lutheran Brethren International Mission. Thanks for joining us today, guys, and welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, good to be here. We want to get things started off by asking you guys just a little question to get to know you a little bit better. And we have not given you this question ahead of time. So here we go. We'd like to know from each of you, who is your favorite musical artist? Oh, Oh. (laughs) (laughs) good question. Mine is, it's a a band I've loved for a long time. They were big in the Christian scene that I I grew up in, but uh, I'd have to say, uh, Reliant K is my favorite musical band artist group. Yeah. Which album? Oh, oh. The good one. You know, Dan, the good one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no joke. I, I was I was playing Reliant K for my kids today. Oh, you were? Uh, okay. I think. Totally unironically. And I have a favorite. I just want to know if, if oh. your tastes are up to par or not. Yeah, so right, right. What's, no, your I... favorite, uh, what's your favorite album? <laughs> if I can say all, all of them, that would be great. Um, okay. Okay. This one is a little controversial, but my family had a weird thing where my mom would play music every morning to wake us up and she would put on the Reliant K Christmas album, regardless of what time of year it was. And so that has (laughs) a soft spot in my heart for that one. Play middle 12 Days of Christmas, man. My kids love that 12 Days of Christmas one. It's, it's awesome. Like, yeah. what, what is this? And they just laugh, and it's a fun time. Oh, uh, yeah. The correct answer is mm hmm, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll take the Christmas album. That's oh. fine. See, I, you're, uh, you're I cheated. I like Roland K, too, but I, have, I got their like greatest hits album. So that wouldn't count, right, oh, Dan? Yeah. Is, that, is that cheating? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's a little okay. cheating. It's a little cheating. <laughs> Alexa, how about you? Yeah, I have a pretty eclectic mix, I think, of, of music that I generally like. I think I have a soft spot for my childhood favorite, which is the band Striper. Oh! From... <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Your father would be proud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite, like, fun uncle's favorite band and kind of got me hooked at a really young age. So all of them feel like nostalgic to me. So I think my favorite album is probably To Hell with the Devil, which is a little bit of a strong name, but it's such a (laughs) super fun album. Nice. So you said that was like your, what's like, like right now, if Alexa's like cruising through the standstill Seattle traffic, what are you pumping on the, through through the tunes? Like what, what are you you listening to? (laughs) Honestly, I, I mean, 
I listened to Striper yesterday. Okay, so wow. it's still Striper. Yeah, All right. yeah. You you but, just couched it with this like it's I was a kid, this was my yeah. favorite. It's like yeah. I just didn't want to own it for now, but I guess I'll just own it. Like that's my band. I own it now, but I also, you know, like I think I primarily listen to like a playlist that's also got a good amount of like Kelly Clarkson and like okay. Pink okay. and like anything you can think of. Right. Just for context, if anyone decides that they want to look up Striper, it is spelled with a Y. Yes. So, yeah, like, yes, this yeah, isn't, yeah. like, that's how metal we are, folks. <laughs> like, we're going with a Y here, and that's that's pretty fun. Well, hey, it's great to have you guys on today. Thank you for, for taking this time to join us. And, I mean, it's been a while since Lutheran Brethren has sent a new couple to the mission field in Japan. So, from your perspective, like, what will your ministry among the Japanese people look like, right? Like we've had a lot of missionaries go over to Chad and we get a pretty good uh, picture of what that might look like for them, but this is a completely different mission field than that. And maybe even in Taiwan. So just can you paint that picture for us a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I think historically in Japan, the missionaries going over have been sent as as mainly uh, church planters. They would go and try to start a church somewhere, get a a body of believers going with the hope that one day a Japanese pastor would take over and and, and they could then step out and either do another church plant or, or whatever else they were going to do. Our ministry is going to look a little bit different. We're not being sent necessarily as church planters, but more as evangelists, more focused on outreach and, and potentially even coming alongside the established Japanese churches as they're looking out at their town, their city, their community, and seeing how, how many people there are, but just kind of how, how few workers there are. So so you see evangelists, like, what does that look like in Japanese culture, right? Because, I mean, we've seen the evangelists that are, like, standing on the street corner, we even, like, the tracks, we got, you know, the people going door to door and putting, like, mm. documentation in people's... Like, when you say evangelists, when you say, like, that's... Like, so we're not going to church planters, but more as evangelists, what does that look like? Can you build the bridge for us between what that would look like in the Japanese culture and what that would look like here in America, just so we have an idea? I think it'll look kind of similar to how like churches here are reaching out to their neighborhoods. I think that's one cool part about going to Japan. It's I think that we have a lot of mirrored ministry opportunities as especially churches in larger cities have. Mm -hmm. So like our church here in Seattle will look a, a little bit similar in, in like we might do, you know, passing out some free coffee here and there, or we might, okay. one thing that we really would like to do is join some community events and clubs and stuff. So cool. They have a lot of like hobby clubs, calligraphy, which is, you know, the super ancient art in, in Japan and in the East, especially it's, they have beautiful words and learning how to paint them really well. That's something I'm really interested in, but also our kids will be in school in Japan, in public school. So we'll be able to join and just kind of assimilate into the community by, you know, being a parent in a school system and by putting our kids in sports or activities and joining you know, parent-teacher association type stuff and things like that, that really a lot of families and churches here in the U.S. are already doing. If there's one thing I could add, I would just say that at the moment, it's really open as far as what our future ministry could look like, which is exciting, but it's but it's focused similar to a, a church planter focusing a lot on relationship and being in the community, getting to know people and doing outreach that might look more like that potentially. Yeah, it's a lot of just trying to get to know the Japanese people, what do they like, what what are they doing, where where are they meeting, why are they meeting there, and getting to know those things so that we can come alongside and join them in that, and then, right, and then build relationship to invite them to our 
coffee cart or, or, or tea cart every Saturday morning to come get a, a free cup of tea and, and hang out for a little bit. And then eventually get to be more and more familiar, comfortable with, with even approaching a Christian, much less a, a church then. But hopefully then, yeah, getting to spend time with them, talking about, about Jesus and how he relates to their lives. All right. What are some things that excite you guys about this call? There's a ton of exciting things. And I think I change my answer nearly every time someone asks me. I'm really looking forward to learning about people. I have wanted to be, you know, a missionary overseas for a long time. And this is kind of the the chance to be, like, not just visit. You know, I've visited a couple countries and, and gotten to do, like, short-term missions. But here it's, like, I don't get to, like, just go in and, like, serve a little bit and leave. And the implications of that can be kind of funny. But this time we get to go and be a part and learn about a people group in a really detailed way over time. And so mm-hmm. getting to spend a long time developing relationship with individuals and with a community and with a culture is something that really is fascinating to me and really is exciting. Makes me really anxious to get started. Obviously we could say stuff like, oh, the culture is really fascinating too and like the food's really good and so we're excited to try sushi and things like that and like authentic sushi from japan but uh i think one of the things that really really is just such a cool uh, like awesome thought to think about is as we're anticipating going we get to participate and join in what what god's already doing in japan and i think that's really cool mm-hmm. awesome being here in seattle amongst japanese believers and and hearing their testimonies and and then hearing about how small the church is in Japan, it's like 1% of the population of 125 million people. But even though it seems to be such a quote-unquote small church, right, God has been in Japan and God currently is still in Japan. And, and we're joining him on his mission to his people, the Japanese. And I think that's a really cool thing then, right, as we, as we approach people in Japan, most of whom know nothing about Christianity or very little from the media, we're meeting and talking with people who are made in God's image, who who God's calling to, right, to be his children and know him. And I think that's like, oh, that's such a cool thing. And there's 124 million who need to hear that. That's a lot of people to tell. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, man, that's a lot. And it's cool. You're going to be just looking at settling into a community there, getting involved in the, that community, getting involved in, in people's lives and, and taking it as it comes. And that is awesome. Being able to know that you're going to stay, that it's not just a pop in, pop out get your fix and leave, but beginning to really invest and, and put down roots. And, and that's exciting, man. But I mean, this is overseas, right? Like this, this isn't home. This is a new language. This is a new culture. Aside from the typical obstacles associated with living in a new country and adjusting to those difficulties, being away from family, all that kind of stuff. What are some potential areas of struggle that you see that you are possibly anticipating in this call to Japan? First and foremost, the biggest struggle I see happening is coming as an American who looks very not Japanese is going to act and eat food and smell initially for sure, not Japanese, to Japan with a message that's going to be perceived as as a Western message, a foreign message. A lot of Japanese people, I think, see Christianity as an exclusive kind of Western thing. And so it's cool. It's good for Western people, but maybe there's some skepticism for for Japanese people to, to wonder, can it fit in Japan? And so I think that's something that really deters Japanese people from the gospel, from Christianity, is that it feels so foreign. And so as a foreigner bringing a foreign message, I think 
we're going to get a lot of people who are who are really polite and will listen to us, but ultimately are going to re- reject it because it's not what they know. It's they've lived life differently. They have their own answers to questions, and bringing a foreign message isn't isn't better than the message that they've grown up with. But our message is better, right? And so that's the struggle of of how do we make this good news we have. How do we make it accessible to somebody who is maybe disinterested in it? Mm-hmm. We've even even heard college students who have come to Seattle to to study English and and hospitality. Some of them have come and have told us that their parents have have warned them not to join any cults in America, and they just mean any organized religious body. So whether it's the church or mm-hmm. Islam or an actual what we would define as a cult or, or whatever, just just anything, just kind of avoid it all. It's all bad, and so mm-hmm. it, it's hard to talk to somebody when when they're already skeptical and maybe turned off to what you're going to say right off the bat. Yeah, that's really interesting to think about for the foreignness, the objections that you're anticipating coming. I think some of those, we experienced those in North America too. I think we're really interested in asking you this. So knowing that those are going to be some challenges you face, how have you been preparing to address those as you're getting ready to go? Something we can I think we probably all learned from that, but tell us a little bit about how you've been preparing to deal with that. I think part of it is by doing a lot of praying. I think that that's one of the most significant things for us is really dedicating this whole topic to prayer and being able to acknowledge that it's not our role to like force growth out of people who aren't interested in, in hearing about, you know, Jesus or, or anything. Our job is to plant seeds and water seeds and hopefully, you know, maybe get to be able to be a part of the harvest, you know, when God causes that growth. So I think praying over the people there and that God would prepare their hearts for what he has for them and also preparing our hearts to potentially face disappointment, like for not getting a response and potentially having to work really hard for a lot of years and not see the growth that we were hoping for. And then also for the people here who are supporting us and maybe we're not able to send back letters of wonderful growth that we've been able to see, you know, maybe I think about reading some of the prayer letters that we get from some of the other missionaries with both in our synod and other missionary friends. And they're sending back like, oh, look, we dug a well and we're like helping this child overcome malnutrition. And, you know, we have these new this new Bible study for young believers and things like that. And we may not see that. And that can be discouraging for us, but also for the people who are supporting us financially and prayer wise. So that's something that, you know, praying for all parties, us and the people we're ministering to and the people here supporting us that we won't grow weary. I think too, in the meantime, preparing for struggle of bringing a message that people might not want to hear. How do you help make it something that they want to hear? Or how do you fashion it in such a way that, you know, it's interesting or it's ear catching or just that they might hear it and it might go, I, I want to hear more, maybe. We've been trying to read through different or read through it and, and, and talk it with other Japanese believers here and ask them how they came to faith and their story of what was it like to nice. hear the gospel? Where did you hear it? Who was with you kind of thing? Uh, how did your family respond? Because most families probably aren't going to encourage them to become a Christian. And so what's it like to do something that your whole family is telling you no? And what was helpful to right, to encourage God's call on, on your life that you were feeling? Um, what the people around you say and do. I've been trying to read through some, also some Japanese theologians and just how do they think about God as they grow up in a Buddhist Shinto context and they encounter Christ and now 
they're they're following Christ. Um, how are they hearing hearing scripture, interpreting scripture? Are there things that we can make clear from God's word to a Japanese context? And and it's been fun trying to just sharing all these different ways and trying to think of ways to connect the gospel with the Japanese, with Japanese people, Japanese hearts, Japanese culture, because it's all it's all been made by God. God made the people and inspired them to do things, and they're living in such a way that, that, that there's echoes of God everywhere. But it's a matter of, okay, how do we connect things that can be connected? How do we draw upon things that are, that's going to resonate in their hearts? And so when they hear the gospel, it's actually good news to them and not just, mm-hmm. just this foreign message. Yeah. I also was thinking about something that Paul said at the beginning was talking about how other missionaries have gone before and planted churches. So we aren't going to Japan without a support system there. So that's something mm-hmm. that's super great for these things is like they have developed a, a Japanese context and a Japanese world from Japanese people. So for us to go and be able to, we maybe have the strength of the stereotypical American Christian, which is that we are often viewed as being really joy-filled and thankful mm-hmm. for salvation and stuff like that. And and the Japanese church can be a little bit, tend to be on the more legalistic side but the church in Japan saw that as a strength and a reason to kind of restart this relationship between LBIM and the Japanese church there. So for us going there, we not only did they get to utilize our strengths, but we can really lean on them for the strengths of the church in Japan and their context. So for when we're talking to a new friend or potentially a new believer, we have resources to be able to not just hear plug in my you know, North American evangelical Christianity, we can plug in, we are part of that community and we can, other resources of the Japanese pastors and lots of Japanese Christians. And so that is a huge strength in going into this, like this question and how we can address these like difficulties is by relying upon the strengths of the Japanese church as they rely on our strengths that God has blessed us with. You know, can you guys tell us a little bit more about that? Like as I think about you guys partnering with the Japanese church, what are those strengths that you're bringing to the table that our church in Japan is saying, we don't have this, we could use you bringing this as a partner? What are some of those things? Part of it is, like I mentioned that, like joy-filled. A lot of times American Christians are really bold and confident in their faith. And for a Japanese person who maybe doesn't have the background of growing up in the church and mm. likely doesn't have the support of their family or parents, something that American Christians can kind of bring to the table is that, oh, I'm just here. Like, I'm willing to talk about Jesus anytime you want. And I'm an open book, potentially, and maybe a little bit more brutally honest, which sometimes is like a little bit like, oh, it's a little much. But I think handled with care can be really powerful in ministry. Another thing is that we don't look Japanese. Mm. uh, And that can bring a lot of attention to and not necessarily bad attention, but just we're more visible. So as we're going through the school system, people will naturally be at least looking at us. We may not be like the magnet person, you know, like everyone wants to talk to us because we're so popular, <laughs> but more like, oh, we're there and we're people, we're under a microscope because we're foreigners and how much we assimilate or don't assimilate into Japanese culture is, I mean, it can be a huge strength or a huge opposite of strength. Weakness. Weakness. <laughs> yeah, a huge weakness. <laughs> Where, you know, we could be utilize it well, or we could, you know, really Mm. make people think that all Americans are not very favorable. (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. Earlier, you made the comment, Alexa, about how, like, there's the Japanese church just tends to be more legalistic. Mm -hmm. 
So what is the other side of that for like, what's the other side of that coin that you guys are going to be bringing yeah. in as far as why they would want you to be coming? I think definitely the other side of the coin is bringing in the gospel and that like hope and joy that comes with the freedom in Christ mm. that we have. I want to be careful too with saying that like the Japanese church is legalistic. It's, it's not just the church. Yeah. Kind of Japanese culture is very legalistic. 100%. Yep. Really need to conform to the societal standards and stuff like that. And uh, standing out is kind of like a weird, bad thing sometimes. But for us as foreigners, we can kind of bring in the freedom and grace that, you know, God gives us and, and the freedom of the gospel and being able to be like, you know, you can be yourself and a Christian and you can be Japanese and a Christian and all that is really mm. powerful. I think uh, is a message of, of grace for mm. the Japanese as a whole. And I think partnering with a church who, you know, is, was established, you know, just after world war two and were, you know, have like been influenced by, you know, older Christians, the same way our churches here have been influenced by older Christians, by those who came before us in a, in a good way. But some of those older mm-hmm. habits have a hard time conforming to and bringing in younger and newer believers. So I think maybe having us, maybe our specific gifts that God has suited us with can be a, hopefully a good strength of the churches we'll be able to be a part of. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, we're excited for the LB to continue its investment in this Japanese mission field. It's been a while since we, I mean, I know we have some missionaries that are still there, but like for a new couple to go, it has been a a long time. How can we be encouraging you in this call? A lot of the normal things, sporting international missions in LB, uh, praying for us, uh, praying for the uh, Japanese Lutheran Brethren Church, uh, LBM, the Japanese people, uh, people here in the U.S. But I would like to encourage people to get to know Japan, to reach out to former Japanese missionaries, to people that were missionary kids, uh, in Japan, people that supported and, and knew well these families in Japan or, or Japanese people who have come to the States, there's there's an awesome book written by uh, James Olson. Uh, Jim and Evie Olson were LB missionaries in Japan. Their son, Roger, and his wife, Sue, are at Rock of Ages. They're, they were missionaries, but he wrote a book called uh, Even to the Rising Sun mm-hmm. um, that is, is a summary of Lutheran Brethren uh, missions in Japan. It's a powerful book. There's so many cool things that God has done in Japan and continued to do for years and years through dozens of people. And it's, and it's still going on. And so I, I would be encouraged if more people got to know what Japan is like more than just anime in World War II, essentially. Uh, it's an amazing place. It's an amazing people and a, an amazing culture and a, an amazing people made by God who God's been working through and doing things for years and years. And if the, if the whole LB could have uh, a collective broken heart, I think for the Japanese people and for the gospel to reach out to those in need there, that, that would just be incredible. I don't think that that's not happening currently, but mm-hmm. it helps to know a little bit more uh, who you're praying for. What's it like there? What's going on? And and, and we have some really cool sure. resources mm-hmm. in, in LB yeah. for that. Do you guys have any specific prayer requests? We can be praying for you guys as you get ready to go. One is uh yeah just our paperwork. Uh, it's a really boring one, but it's a long process and we have done our part thus far and we're just waiting on the 
government in Japan and the government here to kind of get their ducks in a row so that we can buy a plane tickets. But novel yeah. concept, yeah. <laughs> Being able to actually get there. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's kind of handy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the biggest thing that is really specific at the moment. The other thing is just praying for us and our spirits as we're preparing to go. And we know that there's an enemy that doesn't want us to go. And and we're also facing the struggle of leaving family and friends to go somewhere new as foreigners. And that's tugging at, at our hearts. Um, I think yeah, if people could just pray for us and our two sons, Arthur, Arthur and Oswald, that we would just be encouraged and there would, that there would be continued confirmation of tough call as we, as we go forward. And we wouldn't just want to give in too, too easily to the hardship and the, the despair that can come at times as you're being challenged. <laughs> that would be wonderful. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, guys. Last question we have for you. I'm wondering if you could share with us a Bible verse that's been encouraging to you as you've been getting ready to answer this call and be sent. One verse that's been really encouraging for us is 1 Peter 2, verse 6. And it says, from the scripture, it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And that's just a an awesome verse for so many reasons, but mm-hmm. an encouragement for us as we're going forward and we're, and we're trusting in, in the one who tells us that we're not going to be put to shame, the precious cornerstone. It's encouraging for us going forward. I think it's encouraging as we look forward to the Japanese people that God's going to call to himself. And as they're facing str- struggles and the shame of trying to follow Christ and people around them or their, their families, even to telling them that they shouldn't do it, that, well, Hey, if they're, as they trust in him, there's a promise there that he's a cornerstone and they're not going to be put to shame. It's a good thing to trust in, to trust in him. And so that's, that's what I'm going forward. That has been a, a comforting verse and an inspiring verse for me. Definitely. As we wrap up here, we just want to share a, a benediction for you and for our listeners. And I'm going to take a verse from Isaiah chapter 61 and break some interpretation rules and personalize it for you too, as we close. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you because the Lord has anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. God bless you, Alexa. God bless you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that will do it for us today. Thank you so much for for hanging out with us, giving us a bit of your heart for Japan, getting us excited about the LB, getting its feet wet back into sending people back out to to Japan again. It's a good time. So so thank you for for being here. Thank you for sharing your hearts. And thank you to all who are listening. If if you would like to share this or, or like or subscribe, hit the buttons, do the things. Thank you for supporting uh, what we do here. Make sure you share it. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for coming around, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Grace for the Grind, a CLB North American Missions podcast. For more resources like this, check out clbforge.org.